an expanded pitcher preview strategy session. We'll take you into deeper dives and analytics of what we look for when picking pitchers off of the waiver wire. Beat the Shift, presented by Fangraphs, is next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruben Guy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? All right. My voice getting better every single day. Uh, what a what a big softball uh, week. Uh, I tweeted it out the other day. It's just so exciting. And, you know, I'm not really a strikeout pitcher, but um, <laughs> I tossed a doubleheader on Tuesday Struck out 13 batters on the evening. I've never done that before in modified softball. That's you're you've been a pitcher too. Well, what's been your high on, on a day? My highest in a day is probably like seven or eight strikeouts. That's it. Um, I mean, I'm in a softball league also. I don't pitch anymore. Um, how would you feel if your team lost 15 to one, but you went three for three and had the most hits on your team and just was left stranded out there? <laughs> it's, all, it's all about the team, right? Um, yeah, that's not a great situation, but at least you did everything you, you could uh, on your end. I remain fantasy relevant. That's the idea, right? Softball fantasy relevant. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, great weekend. I pitched last night, and uh, we won again in extra innings, a walk-off 5-4, uh, to four, so good pitcher's duel as well. Um, no guest today. Um, I, I had an event that ran a little bit late, so uh, just me and Ruvain today, and uh, you know, we thought that we'd go a little bit deeper into the strategy element of picking picks, pitchers, waiver wire, and all that. You know, we, we always give our picks, but we don't really give a very deep approach as to how we get there and why. So we thought for our strategy section, we would just jump right into the pitcher preview and talk about, you know, how we're getting to it, why, and uh, what we're looking for. We'll go through maybe a player analysis or two just to give you an idea of some of the things and so on and so forth. Sound good, Ruvain? Sounds good to me. All right. So, you know, I take a look, and one of the tools that I use is uh, the Rotowire Probable Pitchers. Um, Rotowire, you do have to subscribe to them. It's uh, I, I personally like like very much. Uh, I think it's well worth it. Uh, they do other great stuff, but I, I love their probable pitchers. And, you know, you start with a date, and you can go two weeks out, a couple weeks out, whatever you like to see. Um, I usually pick the next two weeks. I start on a Monday, and it gives me the, the pitchers that are coming up with who they're facing, who the opponent is, by team. They really can't beat that. So, you know, for example, you know, looking at, uh, you know, first team comes up Arizona, and I see Zach Davies, Zach Gallen, Castellanos, Bumgarner, Kelly, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, Davies is facing Kansas City and facing the Dodgers. Um, Dodgers not a good start. KC might be okay facing Granky. You know, then what I might do is I might dig into some of his numbers. So if I go on, I like to go on Fangraphs. You know, I put his name on Fangraphs, and you can see what he's been doing so far. So far, four three five ERA, one two five WHIP. Looks like he's striking out eighteen percent, walking nine. That's a little bit above his, a uh, little bit above his average for strikeouts, a little bit above his average for walks. So more three true outcomes. Sierra. One of the ERA estimators, four three nine, uh, pretty much in line. So he's been pretty luck neutral. 
in terms of what he's doing. 261 Babbitt, so he's actually been a little bit lucky on the hit. So that 125 whip maybe is going to come up a little bit. Not that thrilling. Um, I then take a look at his game log. So on Fangraphs, you can pop up his game log and you can see his last couple of games against the Dodgers, four innings, five runs. Yikes. Against the Cubs, five innings, three runs. Eh, six strikeouts, though. Decent start. He had a good start against Colorado before before that. So you can take a look at his uh, outings. I don't really love it all that much. Uh, it is to start. The problem is if you pitch him, he's going to be walloped by the Dodgers. Uh, I, I, I would feel it. So this is a guy that I probably would not start in a roto league. In a points league, I might because that Kansas City start might be decent and you know whatever innings you can get out of the Dodgers might be okay for your second if it's not going to hurt you ratios in the year. So Zach Davies to me is probably a you know a pass unless you're you're an NL NL only league and you're somehow available maybe, uh, but points league I would consider it as well. Sound good, Ruben? Sounds good. I don't go as in depth as you do like that. I'm looking at game log i want to see how many innings they pitch and i want to see their walk to strikeout rate i want to see how they're doing with that i want to make sure i have a guy who's not going to kill my era and whip especially my whip because if you get a two-star pitcher you can get gombered and you can have that screw up your whole week if you have a bad outing on say on a monday or tuesday especially let's say you're in a head-to-head league and you're and your first starter just gets bombed, there's almost no way to recover from it unless that you hope that one of their starters gets bombed. So actually, one pitcher that I'm looking at right now is Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta is only 45% owned in CBS. That's another thing. I want to see how many percent is owned in certain leagues. I go to the team. I actually have a team that we have a team together that's a 10-team league. And in that league, I want to see who's available because you're going to see the biggest array of players that are available there because there are more players available and you can see how how many uh, uh, actual uh, shares other people have of them so you have an idea of how much you may have to spend on them so let's say if you know the players 45 percent owned that means people know about them so if he's people if people know about them then you have to spend a little bit more than you would on a player let's say it's only like five or ten percent on so that's something to keep in the back of your mind when you're trying to make your proper fab bid for these players. So Nick Pavetta, the first thing I look at, I want to see his walkouts, walks to strikeouts, and I want to see what's going on in his last three starts. That's something that I look at too. His last three starts, he's had 18 strikeouts and one walk, which is um, which is really, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. It's 22 innings, 20 strikeouts, and one walk. So that's even better with a .82 ERA. Next thing I want to see, I want to see their matchups. And I don't want to take a risk on a matchup that I think is going to blow up, even if it's a two-star pitcher. So he's got two starts. He's possibly against the White Sox and against the Baltimore Orioles. One is the White Sox are at Chicago, and he's at home against Baltimore. So those matchups are actually pretty good. And the fact that he's only 45% owned means that people believed in him before this. So you're not just getting just a random guy who's only like 5 or 10% owned. He may not be available in a lot of your leagues, but he is someone you may want to look at. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let me move on to uh, another Red Sox here, uh, Rich Hill. So Rich Hill right now I have on the schedule facing the White Sox this week. And next week facing Baltimore and Oakland. Now that tells me, wow, Baltimore, Oakland, that is two good matchups. You know, those teams are not fantastic hitting teams. So it's maybe pick up, maybe play for this week. 
the following week, that could be a play. Let's dig a little bit into Rich Hill's metrics. He's got a 289 ERA, 111 whip. Those are fantastic numbers. So, so far in the season, he's been great. Is that real? I'm looking at his ERA estimator. Sierra, 432. Hmm, maybe, maybe lucky. XFIP, 432. FIP, 338. The very big difference between his FIP and his XFIP. And uh, the difference between FIP and XFIP have to do with uh, um, that XFIP uses a league average home run to fly ball rate. His current fly ball rate, uh, his current home run to fly ball rate for the for this season, 5%. His career is 11. So you can see he's been a little bit lucky. Now, pitcher like Rich Hill, maybe he controls the homers a little bit more this year. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, left on base percentage, 75%. So he hasn't been that unlucky in that regard. Um, strikeout rate, 18%, walk rate, 6%. Ah, you know, these numbers are, are fair. Swing strike rate, only 8%. I mean, that's Rich Hill. You know, he's a guy that can control uh, to a certain point. I think that the matchup play might be good for him. He's certainly shown that his whip has been stable and really good over the years. So if you're looking for some good whip ratios and, you know, maybe maybe a win here and there, maybe he goes five innings, uh, that's great. Look at his last three, though. He's been great. Um, Rich Hill, 1.2 ERA, .67 whip, and the FIP agrees, by the way. Last three starts, strikeout rate 26%, walk rate 2 um, now, he had been playing somewhat easier teams, Texas, the Angels, and Baltimore, but those last three look good. Maybe there's a trend. Um, to me, that looks very positive. I'd pick him up. Maybe you play against the White Sox. Depends on the other options you have on your team. And looks like a play for the following week. Uh, so that's somebody who I'd be interested in looking at for this week. Now, I have a question about him. He's a player who you don't know whether or not he's going to go five innings, maybe maybe go five innings, maybe go six innings. Does that affect how much you're going to pay in fab? I mean, are you going to spend as much as you would someone who has a better chance of going more than five innings, more than six innings? Yeah, so I mean, um, he, uh, if you are absolutely need a win, and this is more later in the season when you're trying to really dive into those, you know, any, one win could, could get you a couple points, um, you know, then you really look at it. Early in the season... Uh, I'm not looking at as much, and of course, in today's game, pitchers are pitching less, anyways. So the five innings uh, don't doesn't look as bad compared to what other pitchers are doing. Uh, so no, the short answer is at right now it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I'm looking for a chance at a win. I'm also looking for some good ratio help. I mean, if he's giving me ten innings for the week at a .7 WHIP, that, that's pretty pretty helpful. Um, he's not going to give you a ton of strikeouts, so you know the only reason you'd fa- you'd play him really is because of the two start. Because let's say he even has four strikeouts a game, all right, that's eight strikeouts for the week. That seems decent. But the innings doesn't really bother me as much this time of the year, unless I'm somehow desperate right now, which it's very hard to be desperate this time of year. Oh, okay. Plus, he's he is a known commodity, so that that does play into your factor, I guess, a little bit also. Just like the guy I'm going to mention now, and that's Johnny Cueto. Yes, Johnny Cueto is back in the majors. He's and he's on a good team also. He's well, a team that's supposed to be good, the White Sox. And he pitched very well his first time out. His first time out, he was able to pitch six innings with giving up only two hits, two walks with seven strikeouts. That was that's pretty good. Now the main test is going to be his next game. He's actually going to be playing at Yankee Stadium this coming Sunday. He's not to start this week, but he may 
B to start the following week. So he's a, a, what we call a future two-star pitcher. So he's a guy to watch to see how he's able to handle Yankee Stadium coming back. You know, only his second start since since um, coming back from injury. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles it. Um, I don't know how much money I'd spend on him if if you know if I was going to pick him up. He's only seventeen percent on CBS, so he is available out there. He is out there. Um, I don't know if I'd spend that much money on him only because you don't know how much how many innings he's going to go. And and you mentioned about Rich Hill about not worrying about how many innings he's going to go. But Johnny Cueto, I am worried about how many innings he's go just because he hasn't had as many innings under his belt recently as Rich Hill does. Yeah, that's a little bit of an injury uh, comeback issue. A little bit different than Hill, who's uh, old, you know. Um, taking a look uh, a little bit further here, uh, Drew Smiley on uh, on Chicago. He lines up for a good week. Sometimes I, I like to look at the uh, CBS two-star pitchers. Uh, just give me a nice preview. Drew Smiley, uh, Cincinnati, and then Chicago White Sox actually playing against Cueto. Um, Smiley has been good this year. Uh, three nine seven ERA, Sierra three eight two. So you know we're not talking about oh my god an ace uh, three ERA. We're talking about a you know just inside the four ERA. Uh, walk rate only five percent this year, which is very good. Strikeout rate eighteen percent. Would like it to be better. Um, he's been a, but now when I look at some of his metrics, he's been lucky. His left on base percentage eighty percent. You know usually uh, it's closer to low seventies is what you want for is an average. Homer to fly ball rate, I'm looking at that. Hey, has he been unlu- unlucky or lucky in terms of uh, limiting home runs? 16% is career average, about 14%. So he really hasn't that. Um, you know, he looks legitimately like a just under four ERA pitcher. Has not had a great last three games, but they did have tough matchups, including the Dodgers. Also, he faced Pittsburgh for the third time this year. Tough to face a team, even a bad team, three times in the year. So Drew Smiley is interesting to me. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, not a great team, although it's on the road at Cincinnati. Meh. At at the White Sox, it's not, you know, they are a decent team. Uh, I'm on the fence whether you should do it. Certainly if ERAs are very concerned in shallow leagues, you're not going to touch him. In deep leagues, I would give him a chance. In a points league where you're looking for some starts, I think those are interesting options. So that's how I would see Smiley for this week. Well, you mentioned that he's facing a team for a third time. The next guy I'm going to mention, Bruce Zimmerman. We've mentioned him before. He's going to be facing the Yankees for the fourth time next week, which means that there may be people who may want to sit him or even drop him for this coming week. So keep your eye out to see if people do drop him because he gave up five runs today against the Yankees, which is not great, but that's the most runs he's given up this year to any team. It's the third time he faced the Yankees. He's going to face him again next week against Jordan Montgomery. Um, so I don't like that matchup that well, but he's a guy that you may want to have for after he stops facing the Yankees because facing four t- a team four times in the matter of two months is just crazy. How can you possibly do really well each outing against the Yankees and, and doing it four times? I mean, the first time he faced them, he did pretty well. He only gave up no runs. Zero runs in five innings. Then he faced them again, four and a 
third inning, he gave up three runs. And today, he gave up five runs. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to give up like seven or eight runs. But he is a good pitcher. He is going to be uh, playing at Yankee Stadium, which is not a great play for him. But I'd hold on to him. He's a guy to hold on for the rest of the season because so far for the year, his ERA and whip are not that bad. He doesn't strike out that many people, almost almost nine per inning, almost nine per game. But he's a guy that you may want to hold on to for the rest of the season. So if he's available and he's only 39% on in CBS, which is I don't understand why, because in most um, NFBC leagues, he's not available at all. So he's a guy you may want to see if he's still available and grab not for this week, but maybe for future weeks. Yeah. Looking at his metrics, two seven two ERA. Sierra is three seven six. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't think that I don't think anybody thought he was a sub three ERA pitcher, but uh, he is squarely sub four, which is just good. It's a good ballpark there now in Baltimore. It's no longer a bad ballpark. Let's look at uh, left on base percentage, seventy seven percent. It's not crazy. Um, so he's not crazy lucky. Uh, Babip three eleven. That's actually somewhat unlucky or at least uh it's definitely not lucky swing strike rate 11 percent. it's okay strikeout rate 22 percent, decent walk rate six that's good so his underlying metrics actually look pretty decent homer to fly ball rate 7.5 in the year that's probably the difference between the two two seven era and the three seven sierra the estimator so uh you know the metrics check out that he could be interesting for the rest of the season in deep leagues he's a must take uh, and it's really just matchups. You're not going to get a lot of wins out of Bruce Zimmerman on the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I don't like to start against the Yankees again, uh, but you know he's somebody to hold, especially in deeper leagues. And being having done decently against the Yankees for three times so far, giving up a total of eight runs over the course of about 15 innings is not a bad thing. So if you think of if you factor factor in the fact that he's not going to be playing the Yankees again for a while, that may be a good thing to have for the rest of the year. Yeah. The next one, I have um, Wade Miley uh, facing the White Sox this week. 23% owned. I have no idea why he's that unowned. I, I had him as a nice pick uh, in a 12-team league, according to the ATC projections preseason. I mean, he had a great year last year. Um, you know, three three seven ERA. Um, he's returning from injury. What, what, what injury did he return from? Do you know? Miley. I don't. I don't recall. I think it was a. It was a. Uh, all the Reds pitchers. They all had shoulder injuries, um, so it was probably a shoulder injury. I have to. I'd have to look that up. I don't remember offhand. Yeah, first start this year was crappy against the Padres. Three innings, three runs. You know, first start, one strikeout. But then he faced Pittsburgh. Seven innings, six strikeouts, one hit. Um, I kind of think that he because he was injured. He's available right now. If he's available in a deep league, that's a must-pick. Shallow leagues, uh, perhaps it's somebody to consider before his— His ownership, by the way, shouldn't be 23%. So uh, that's something to go up. Uh, next week, he he, he would face the—well, uh, he faces the White Sox this week. He would face the Cardinals the following week, and he would be two-start after that. So uh, somebody to somebody to look at there. Yeah, I, I mentioned Reds. He's not on the Reds anymore. But whenever I think of Wade Miley, I think of the Reds just because he pitched last year for them, and it was an elbow injury that he had. So that is something to monitor and just to keep watch of his velocity, make sure that it is where it's supposed to be. Now, I always joke about, let's see who faces uh, the Pirates this week. It's uh, the Rockies are facing the Pirates. They got two pitchers on the Rockies, both who are two starts. And I guess we're 
this is sort of a uh, who's facing the Pirates and should you even throw a Rockies pitcher ever. Uh, but take a look. Kyle Freeland is facing at Pittsburgh, at Washington, and then Feltner is also doing that. Um, I don't even know who the guy is. Um, what's his first name, Feltner? I, I don't even don't know. Even know. I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. Well, anyways, <laughs> R. Feltner. Um, rookie, I, I don't really know much about him. Rockies pitcher, did not have a great outing his first time up. I mean, to start, but I, I, I cannot. I don't like starting rookies in general, and rookies on the Pirates? Ugh. Uh, uh, sorry, rookies on the Rockies? Ugh. Um, Kyle Freeland, Kyle Freeland is always interesting to me and more, more interesting in points leagues because he gives you length. Um, not a strikeout pitcher. Uh, his swinging strike rate is up this year to 10%. Strikeout rate is still lagging. His walk rate's down. Um, home to fly ball ratio is only 10%, so it's far low. So, uh, we're talking, uh, mid fours ERA. Not a pitcher that I, even though he's facing the Pirates, but you can get shelled. They shelled any one of those two outings and, crap up your ERA. If you really need the wins, if this was later in the season, I'd be all over Freeland in a Roto League. Points League, I like this. It gives you two shots to win. Freeland gives you length, so you have more shots to win. But it's, I would not start them in Roto. So always have to look at, at, at you know, how bad can it be uh, to, to have a pitcher go two starts? And, you know, how desperate do you need those strikeouts? How desperate do you need those wins? Usually early in the season, to me, it's not worth it. I like playing the ratio, guys. Later in the season to catch up, 100%. After you've padded your ERA, go for it, but not now. You agree on that? 100% I agree on that because you don't want to get, exactly like I mentioned before, getting gombered. People got gombered, I think it was the mid-May of last year, and that's when everyone thought Austin Gomber had two great starts. I think one was against the Pirates, and I think one was against the Reds. Our, and our Cardinals, and I think he blew up against the Pirates, I think it was. And, I, and once you get blown up like that and you ruin your ERA and your whip, it, it's like, and especially a guy can mention if it's in a head-to-head league, it ruins your entire week, and it's so hard to come back from that. And sometimes you're just better off throwing out a middle reliever out there and, and, and getting better ratios instead of blowing up your, or risking blowing up your ERA and whip. Speaking of Austin Gomber, he's facing Washington this week, and then he's versus Miami. And versus Atlanta the following week. Uh, can, can you get Gomber by Gomber next week facing Atlanta? I don't know. Uh, it's tough to start these guys. I, I you know, I, I unless you're desperate for the volume, I really stay away from these guys. Uh, Gomber has some more promise than some of the others we just talked about in the Rockies, but eh, you know. Um, I want to go to the Mets. Uh, the Mets have a rash of injuries, unfortunately. Of course, Degrom we know is out already. Scherzer pulled his oblique yesterday. I saw that live. Ugh. And uh, Miguel has also hurt. So the Mets are going with Trevor Williams as a starter. He pitched a great game yesterday, although uh, that might be too good to be true. For the season, Trevor Williams has a 63% left on base percentage. That means he's been stranding a lot more runners than league average. That will correct itself. 7% homer to fly ball ratio way under what he's supposed to, so that will correct. He does have a 380 BABIP, which is interesting. You Normally you'd think he'd be the other way with the luck, but it looks like he's actually been unlucky on the hits, but lucky on the run. So balls are not flying out. Uh, is, has he made a change? Probably not. He's probably just over a, you know, right now he's pitching to a 4-2 ERA, uh, 1-4-7 whip. He's probably going to be roughly around that for the rest of the season. 
Um, he's facing San Francisco. He's facing San Francisco and then Philadelphia. Uh, I, I, I don't want to risk. Don't want to risk that. I just think his last start was just too good. Mets also have David Peterson, uh, who's going to call from the minors to fill one of those roster spots, one of those starting pitcher spots. He's facing Philadelphia this week. Then he goes to Washington. He's got a little bit more promise. He had a great 2020. Um, this year so far, 189 ERA, 111 whip. It's 20% strikeout rate. The problem with David Peterson is his walk rate. He's 11% for this year, which is consistent with what, what he's had all the time. So he's going to give up a lot of base runners. And unless you somehow get out of it by magic every single inning, they'll, they'll score. Um, he is more of a hold for me. I, I, I can see, you know, see how he goes because he has promise. He showed that two years ago. I don't know if I'd start him the first week, but maybe grab him because I think Peterson's going to be up for the next couple of months given the wrath of Mets injuries. So take a chance on him, but I wouldn't play either of them in the short term. Agree? I agree with the David Peterson. I think Peterson is going to stick more than Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams had a season high of 65 pitches in his start, so he's not even stretched out where he can probably give you maybe five innings. So you're not going to get that many innings out of him. You're not going to really get a chance for a win out of him. Um, Trevor Williams is the long man out of their bullpen, and he should be like that, which is why David Peterson will probably get the start, and he'll probably be um, you know, put into the rotation. Um, they may use Trevor Williams as a number two guy after a starter, after a, an opener. The Mets may call up a guy like Adonis uh, Medina, who looked pretty pretty good when he got called up earlier, who may pitch a couple of innings. He was a starter also in AAA in the Mets. The Mets also have in their minor league system, they have Mike Montgomery, and he's an interesting option because he pitched pretty decently for them a couple of years ago. The only issue with him, he's not on the 40-man roster. So if you're going to pick him up, you're going to have to hope that they bring that he gets added to the 40-man roster, which is not out of the realm of possibility because of the fact of the rash of injuries. And speaking of the injuries to the Mets, I'm going to go through them right now. DeGrom, who's on the I.O. with a stretched reaction to his scapula, he had a new MRI done which showed more healing, and he's ramping up his baseball activities. That doesn't mean he's coming back anytime soon. He hasn't started actually pitching or facing live batters, so he's still got some time. Max Scherzer, you mentioned about the oblique issue they said he said he felt a zing on his left side he hoped to stop it right away so it wouldn't be so severe but it is a moderate to high grade sprain and could miss six to eight weeks that's where David Peterson will step in and I think he will be the starter because in AAA the Mets don't have many other starters and Tyler McGill there's actually some good news he was placed on the aisle with biceps tendonitis he was shut down for a few days to be reevaluated, but he's actually going to be starting hopefully in the next couple of days playing catch. So he may be coming off the IL sooner and late, sooner than the other Met injured pitchers. Certainly feels like a regular season now with all the Mets injured, right? A hundred percent. This is why I got into doing what I was doing. I'm a huge Met fan, and I always kept track, and I wanted to see how the Mets pitchers get injured because if you remember the starting five pitchers for the Mets of Harvey, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, all those guys all used to get hurt, and that's why I got into this, and that's why I started doing it. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we all do know, uh, well, the Mets always get injured, but that's uh, par for the course. Unfortunately. Any other uh, pitchers to mention? Obviously, you know, we did a little bit of a more deeper dive that I usually don't talk as much about each pitcher, but just wanted to give you the sort of things I look at and decisions I go through. Hopefully that, that helped you all in terms of, uh, you know, looking at looking at guys on the waiver wire to see if it'll fit your, your teammate. Any, any other guys to mention? 
you know, I want to mention another guy. I want to mention a reliever because if you don't like any of these pitchers that are out there, you're nervous that they're going to bomb, then you should look for the middle relievers who are pitching really well or possible closers for teams. Like I'm going to mention J.P. Fireisen from Tampa Bay. He has pitched 18 in the third innings and has not allowed a run. His ERA is zero. His whip is .38. He's got 19 strikeouts. He is available in so many leagues that he's a guy that if you don't want to take one of these guys. You don't want to be gombered. You can take him and be pretty safe. I have him on a ton of my teams already. He's on my bench just in case these guys get injured because pitchers will get injured. So having a guy like this on your bench is very, very useful. I'll just mention two other guys uh, to look at. Uh, James Caprillion, 25% owned on CBS. He's playing uh, Seattle and Texas to start. That's good starts. Um, he had a really bad start his first outing, then he got better. If you don't count his first start of the year, which maybe was the ramp up or whatever, back from injury, two eight one ERA, one WHIP, thirteen percent K minus BB. Uh, so that's interesting. That's a long term dart. I picked him up in a in a, the GDD league that I do with Derek Cardi, and we picked him up a couple weeks ago before he came back. We're like, you know, let's throw a dart here and see what happens. And uh, he's been decent since that first start. Uh, how about Martin Perez? Um, every year, you know, hey, should we pick him up? Should we not? He has some good outings. Uh, you know, he's he's reliable to throw some good good outings here and there. Um, and he looks good this year, actually. He's facing Oakland this week. He would be two-start next week against Tampa and Seattle. The Tampa one is tough. But uh, the Oakland one is actually pretty decent. So I would consider picking him up. And you never know. If, if you're in a deep league, I think Martin Perez should be owned already. 50% owned on CBS, so he may be available in your 12- or 10-team league as it is. Waiver Wire, any uh, any bats that interest you this week, Ruben? Yes, there are. The first guy I'm going to mention is MJ Melendez, the top catching prospect for the Royals. He's only 45% owned in CBS. He's playing now for the injured Sal Perez, who has a sprained thumb. He's going to be out at least two weeks. Um, MJ Melendez already is batting 265 with two homers. But the only problem with him is that he's a rookie and he struck out 10 times so far in 34 at bats. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. But if you need a guy to, to fill in for a couple of weeks as your catcher, and even if you have Sal Perez and he's injured, he's a guy, definitely a guy you should try to get go after. And another guy I want to mention is an oldie but goodie for me because I, I drafted him in TGFBI, but I dropped him after the first week after his bad start. And that's Cole Calhoun. Cole Calhoun, if you look what he did in his last seven games to today, he's batting 478 with four home runs. Now, he will not keep that up. There's no way he's going to keep that up. But the power is there, which means that if he starts to hit home runs, he's a guy who can hit 25, even 30 home runs if he has a full-time gig, if he's not being platooned. He's only 17% owned in CVS, so he's a guy you can definitely pick up in a lot of leagues, and if you need power, which a lot of people do because power's down this year, he's a good guy to pick up. All right, I'll give you a couple names. Uh, Christian Walker, 30% owned on CBS. He's got nine homers on the year. That's got to actually raise eyebrows, right? Uh, he's batting 212 on the year, but... Uh, that is with a 204 BABIP. His career BABIP is 296. Uh, I smell regression. I think that that is very unlucky. 20% strikeout rate this year. That's actually really good. 11% walk rate, getting on base. His battle rate, 14% this year, 
Walker's career was only 9%. I think Christian Walker is a very good corner infielder um, in deep leagues, even in some 12-team leagues. It might be interesting as your last player. Certainly, if you need a power boost, um, this guy hits homers, batting, playing every day. Uh, he should be owned universally, I think. Mike Moustakis, 34% owned on CBS, batting 258 on the year, but this past week he's been red hot, batting 308 on the week, 13% walk rate, only 13% strikeout on the week, a 186 WRC plus for this week. On the year, a 114 WRC plus. He's batting cleanup every day. When you bat in cleanup, it doesn't really matter how great you are. You'll knock in runs when they come. You'll score runs if you get on. So Mike Moustakis, he's interesting once again. Eli White, he has eight stolen bases. Anybody who has eight stolen bases, you got to take note. Now, is this a guy who just comes pinch runs? Is this a guy who just bats ninth? He's batting leadoff pretty much every day. So if you're stealing that many bases and you're playing every day, you've got to take notice. Deep leagues, he's not very widely owned. I'd really consider Eli White. He's only 10% owned on CBS. I picked him up in an NFBC league. Um, I mean, he just got to get – he's going to get you some steals. and He'll get you some runs if he gets on base, so why not? Um, Tyler Naquin, 20% owned, four homers, 20 RBIs on the year. He had a home run today. The bad X, Derek Carney's model, really loves him. Uh, I think there's a lot of worse players. I think if you're in a deep league, if you're in a 15-team league, he should be a fifth outfielder. So Tyler Naquin, take a look at him if he's available on your wire. Injury update, Ruben. I actually, hold on, hold on. I actually have two other players I want to mention since we're talking about people who should be owned more, and that's Mark Canna. Mark Hanna is playing almost every day for the Mets. And how is it possible that he's only 46% on on CBS? He's batting 299 on the year. He's got three home runs, and he's getting on base at a great clip. If you need a fourth outfielder, he's a perfect fourth outfielder. And you mentioned about people who steal bases. Jace Peterson, in the last two weeks, has batted 312, two homers, and four stolen bases. He's going to get more playing time because of the injury to Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas has a high left ankle sprain. He got that sliding at the home plate. We don't know how bad or how long he's going to be out for, but Luis Urias is going to take over the everyday shortstop, and Jace Peterson, along with Mike Brousseau, will be platooning at third base. If you can get Jace Peterson, he's going to get a lot more playing time. He can steal a little bit for you. He can have a little pop for you. So he's the guy you have to look out for, especially with Willie Adamas on the IL. Great calls on those. Absolutely. If they're available... Check them out really quickly. All right. Injury report, Ruvain. Uh We did the Mets injuries, but uh, what else you got? I got Ryan Moncastle. Hopefully he's coming back this weekend. He's supposed to come back from a left wrist forearm strain. Um, he is okay swinging right now. He's hitting in the batting cage. They don't think he may need any rehab assignments, so he may be good to go. James McCann, diagnosed with a fractured hamate and had surgery. He's out for six weeks. So if you need a catcher for your, for your league, let's say you have Sal Perez, Another option is Tomas Nito. He may not be playing every day, but he's not going to kill you with his batting average. Patrick Mazzica is available also if you're interested in walk-offs without getting a hit. <laughs> Nico, Nico Horner was placed on the IL with a right ankle sprain. 
He has recently been cleared to return to baseball activities, so hopefully it'll be short, but Andrelton Simmons has been filling in for him until now. Kyle Lewis is supposed to be activated from the IL and play for the first time in months for the Mariners. He's being activated on Monday, and with Mitch Hanniger being out for an extended period of time, Kyle Lewis is in there. He can get a lot of playing time. Remember, he was a rookie of the year before he suffered that knee injury. Um, before he suffered that knee injury, so he is someone. If he's available in your league, which is possible because people have to cut rosters to get other players, see if he's available and see if you can get him. Tyler O'Neill was placed on the IL today with right shoulder impingement. We don't know how bad it's going to be. Nolan Gorman, prospect. Nolan Gorman was called up. Tommy Edmond will actually move into the infield. He's going to play shortstop. So the outfield is going to be, they're going to take O'Neill's spot. It's going to either be Brendan Donovan, Juan Yepes, Corey Dickerson, all those guys. A lot of them should be available in your, on your, in your league so you can go after them. Luis Gill, or Luis Heal, from the Yankees, actually is in the minors right now. He did come up and pitch a little bit already this year. He stopped pitching after one pitch in the start. He threw a slider. It showed diminished velocity, and then he he called time, and he pointed to his forearm. Does not look good. So if you have him, if you're rostering him, hoping he'll come up, he's a guy you can definitely drop, I would believe. Eduardo Rodriguez. They haven't placed him on the IL at the time of this taping, but he is going to be going on to the IL as per the Tigers manager with left side discomfort. It sounds a lot like what Max Scherzer has. So if it is an oblique issue, it could be anywhere between four and eight weeks, depending on severity. So that's something if you have him, you may want to drop him if you don't think he's going to come back anytime soon and you need that roster spot because no one's going to be picking him up next week. Jake Odorizzi, he injured his right ankle when he tried to run covering first base. At first, everyone thought it was an Achilles injury, but it's not. An MRI revealed just some strains and sprains of the ligaments in his right foot and ankle. There's still no timetable for his return. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, and the Astros have not yet named a replacement. Clayton Kershaw was placed on the IL with an SI joint inflammation. The SI joint is where the sacrum and the ileus meet. The sacrum is the lowest part of the back. The ileus is actually part of the pelvic bone. That's right below the low back, and Kershaw has had an issue with low back issues, with low back pain in the past with bulging discs and everything like that. He had an epidural injection, but it did not help. That is not a good sign. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. He was supposed to start uh, throwing a bullpen this week. He did not do it, so that's red flags right there. And I'm going to end with Chris Paddock. He was placed on the aisle with an elbow injury. He had Tommy John surgery this week, and he is done for the year. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned Kershaw. We had on Sarah Sanchez last week who traded Kershaw away for Bregman. Uh Wow, what good timing. And remember, she's like, well, well, we don't know when he's going to get injured. And I mentioned that. Remember, he's that playing time is wrong. You know, you can't just, uh, you know, it's all front-loaded. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Kershaw on the IL. So uh, Sarah Sanchez uh, <laughs> she got the best of that deal. Unfortunately, though, in labor, when we traded um, Jesse Winker, who we ran out of patience with. And also, we have outfielders on our team. For Eduardo Rodriguez, wrong pitcher. We wrong pitcher. We asked for. Ah, well, just uh, stick stick him on the IL. He'll be back in a couple, hopefully six weeks or so. That's that's my est- rough estimate without knowing how how bad the strain is. And if he comes back in a couple in six weeks, he's like you know signing a free agent or making a trade. Then I mean, you can still get the replacement value off the waiver wire from somewhere. 
Well, thank you for your optimism moving on the trade. Uh, yeah, I hope that goes better for us. What are you going to do? And <laughs> just, just for public knowledge, I was against the trade at the time. <laughs> you know, can't um, say no because I was like, I was against the trade. I, I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep Jesse Winker. It's so funny because. Um, right after I made the trade, I, I wrote an article which came out today on Rotoballer about uh, plate discipline standouts and who ranks up there as one of the best who is looking at pitchers the right way and not swinging at his balls and swinging at strikes. Jesse Winker. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I should have done this analysis before the trade. Uh, that's what happens, though. Uh, what are you going to do? I, I'm I'm still not... I don't. Th I don't think that uh, the trade was really bad because I, uh, in terms of value, I mean, I think we valued Rodriguez the better, and we needed a pitcher. Uh, we definitely just got unlucky. Uh, maybe we should have asked for Tarek Skubal. Would that have been better trade? I don't think he would have given up Tarek Skubal for Mitch Haniger, who was slumping at the time. Uh, Winker. Winker. Mitch. Uh, Winker. 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 I get. Yeah. I get. Oh, there's so many Seattle outfielders there. It's also a matter of playing time. What happens when Wink when Winker is hitting and Hanniger comes back and Kyle Lewis is there and you've got Kalenic just sitting in AAA, you know, if you have Kalenic on your team, do you drop him at this point? In a shallow redraft league, yes. I mean, I don't know what business. I I I, I was against him from the beginning of the season. I mean, he just is, just doesn't hit enough to to stay out there. If you're in a 15 team league, sure, I guess for the promise, but um, fifteen team point, redraft league, fifteen team redraft league. At this point, but a keeper not, league, I guess there. you have to hold on, right? Keeper league, you hold on, of course. Uh, I mean, he's he's not even up in the majors, and what are you going to get after him? I mean, what happens when Hanager gets back? What happens if Lewis performs? Just as you said, uh, it's it's iffy for me. Uh, anything shallower than fifteen, it's a drop in redraft. Fifteen, uh, if you really need the roster spot, and it's a short bench, I guess you drop. Right. So, did did the Mets win that trade in the end? Oh, going that way. Um, well, the money was obviously ridiculous. Uh, the Mets did get Edwin Diaz. So, on pure talent alone, so far the Mets are winning. I mean, the career is far from over for Kellenic. Um, yeah, I I can't say I, the I Mets think, won the trade. I think it'll depend whether or not the Mets resign Edwin Diaz. He is a free agent True. at end of this year and sure. his value is right now going through the roof because he's pitching very well and he will he will get his payday and i know the mets have big pockets now and they can do whatever they want with money almost so i can't see the mets not re-signing him so he's a guy that you know i, I think i'd rather have edwin diaz long term at this point than jared kalenic that's interesting uh him and his brother saved the game the other day uh, only the first uh, the third time in history that a pair of brothers saved the game on the same day. Really interesting. And I saw that note, and I'm like, you know, we do have the Rodgers brothers, actually the Rodgers twins in the majors, uh, the Giants and the twins. But, uh, oh, well, sorry, not twins. He's traded to the Padres, Giants Padres. and Padres. Um, I would have thought maybe they would save on the same day, but I guess they haven't yet. Um, but interesting for Diaz. Yep. Diaz also... Uh, Gave up the, I guess he blew the save today, although the Mets came back in the extra innings and on a Pete Alonzo walk-off homer. That was pretty exciting. So, uh, hey, listen, Mets are still Mets are still in it, so uh, we're still having fun, right? Yep, they're still in it. They're, they're fun to watch. They're, they're exciting to watch. 
Um, I just want to see how they do. They're going out on the West Coast. They're going to have a big road trip coming out. They're playing better teams now. Um, and they're going to Colorado. If you're playing this week and you're in a daily league, Colorado, I don't know if you look at the weather, but it's 80, it was 85 degrees today, and it's supposed to be chances of snow over the weekends in the 30s and the 40s. So if you have any, if you have any hitters that you have to set your lineups for over the weekend, stay away from there because it's going to be very cold weather, and a lot of those games actually may get snowed out or rained out. That's crazy. Um, very tough to play at Colorado this early in the year. If there's a rain out or snow out or something, when are you making it up? Not not easy there. Um, all right. Well, I, we, I thought uh, I thought we'd do something a little bit different today, uh, given that a uh, little bit of time uh, we're recording at a different time than usual. Um, but uh, I thought I thought that this would be interesting for our listeners to sort of uh, do a little bit more deep dives on players and see a little bit more of the analytics as to what goes in in terms of the thought process. And hope you enjoyed it. Uh, before we go, Ruben wanted to tell everybody where we can find your work and uh, read your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates during the course of the week. I also have a weekly article that comes out on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, for Rotoballer discussing all the injuries that I just mentioned, plus more. And I hope everyone enjoyed the deep dive we did for the players today, because this is what we normally do every week. Me and RL, we do this every week, going over all these players for all of our teams. So you get a little peek into what we talk about when we talk about players. Yeah, obviously on the show we usually give you the highlights of you know some of the better findings, but you know sometimes helps to see the thought process. Uh, I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my stuff over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. I had an article come out the other day about early plate discipline stand standouts. Check that out, and you can follow me on Twitter at atcny, and of course listen to me on this show right here on the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. All right, well it's been a good episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on the Beat the Shift podcast. Good luck. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.